0: Alright, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, welcome to Soul City Church. My name is Kurt and uh, I am so glad that you're here and uh, hopefully we're going to have a great night ahead of us. We had a great night last week. How many of you guys were here for the $2 challenge last week? Yeah, it's great. Many of you posted your pictures and stuff on the blog, so we're just very excited that we all got out. Got out and got to be the church last week, so um, if this is your first time here i 'm sure you 've been uh, welcomed already, but let me just tell you as well, thank you so much for coming and joining us tonight. We want you to know a couple of things about us, and that is first of all is that we are passionate about leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus and one of the ways we do that is by gathering here tonight, and we hope that the moments that we 're here together lead to movement in our life and um, one of the things you can do for us if you're here for the first time is we have a car that looks like this. It's in the seat back pocket in front of you, um, and we would love to give you a gift tonight, and just thank you for coming and joining us. So if you fill it out, take it to our concierge desk out front or take it to our cafe, you can get a free hot cup of coffee or tea or whatever it is that you prefer to drink, your beverage of choice, as well as a dessert, and that's free. Um, we're just thankful that you came out with us tonight, so thanks for joining us. Um, we're going to do something that we do here every week. Um, for those of us that this is a part of our um, our spiritual journey is join. Here at Soul City Church and, and being a part of what God's doing here. And we're going to give back of our tithes and offerings. And so in a little bit, we're going to do that. And, and if you're here the first time, we want you to know that there's absolutely no obligation for you to give. We want you to just enjoy tonight. But a, a big thing that we're about is being the church seven days out of the week and not just joining here together on just one night. And so a way we can be a part of that is by giving back and giving our resources to what God is doing. And those resources not not only go to the, what we have here tonight, but they go to some really cool things that we do um, and I want to tell you about a couple of those things. One of them, you've probably seen this out in front. Um, it's the little thing that says Card Me, and no, we're not asking for IDs at the door. We're not that kind of club. Um, but uh, we're partnering with the Kyle Corver Foundation and a, and a group called Gift Card Giver to do something really, really cool in our community. About six blocks away is this little uh, elementary school called Brown Elementary School, and we've um, worked with them and partnered with them at our Soul City Christmas Store. Many of you are a part of that or you donated uh, coats to that. But we're doing something this March to help build a parents' lounge over there, to help encourage parents to be involved in their kids' education, to uh, kind of just build up the morale of that school. And so there's about $5 billion left on gift cards in America. I don't know if you knew that, but there's about $5 billion left on gift cards in America. And um, some of that might be in your pocket, like 2 or $3 increments. So um, you can donate those gift cards, and what we do is we get the cash from that, and we use that to help... Um, compile resources to help and build this parent lounge. So that's coming up and, and, and that's a way we can participate. So we'd love to, for you to be a part of that. Um, the way that the students at Brown are participating, it's actually really cool, is they're participating in something called Paint the City Green. And right now they are, um, in their school, they're, they're, doing art and they're doing t-shirt design and all this stuff that we're actually going to have an art show here to showcase those kids' work and it's going to be on uh, Friday, April 1st at uh, 5 o'clock and we would love for you to be a part of that and and again to get in, it's a gift card to to build the parents lounge. Just give me a cool way to support these kids, show them that people care about them, show them that the art that they're doing is actually meaningful and helpful and beautiful and so we would love for you to join us and be a part of that. And then finally tonight, um, right after this service, you may have noticed our little bracket on the wall in the lobby as you come in, but we're starting our second um, gathering on Easter Sunday morning. We're going to start having a morning gathering. So um, if you, yeah, one person's excited about it. That's great. Uh, Jared's <laughs> excited too. All right. So we got two, um, but uh, it's going to be a really, really exciting thing. There's, there's a ton of people that live um, just a couple blocks from here and we want to open up more seats for those people to enter a transformed relationship with Jesus. And so as we start that second gathering, we're going to need a lot more volunteers. We want to create excellent environments and, uh, and many people have served Consistently to create an environment for you, and we would ask that you would jump in and, and be a part of that. So, if you're like, I have nowhere that I know to serve, I don't, I don't know what to do, I, I would love to get more information, um, we would love for you to come to next. It's a really short presentation that basically just gives you a little information on how you can take your next step, and it's tonight, right after our gathering. It's gonna be upstairs in the upper room, and uh, we'd love for you to join us for next. That's tonight. And it just gives you a little bit of information about how you can get involved, take your next step and what those opportunities are. If you have an idea of kind of where you would love to serve, we would totally encourage you to go out to our lobby on your way out and actually sign on the board, sign up for, for an area that you would love to get more information from. And the team leader of that team will get in contact with you this week. So all that to say, we're just super glad that you're here. And uh, as the buckets have gone past, I want to invite you to do one thing for me. Meet some people around you, say hi to three or four people, and, and ask and answer this question. All right, ask and answer this question. What's something you've bought recently, you've purchased that you didn't really need, but you liked it, you went out and got it, or maybe it's something that you bought, you're just like, you know what, if I could do that again, I would save that money. So, all right, so talk to your friends, all right, meet some new people. What's one thing that you bought recently that you didn't really need? Alright.
1: Alright, just by a show of hands, it seems just by the level of conversation, how many of us have made a stupid purchase in the last 90 days or something we shouldn't have bought? Oh, really? So what were you talking about for the last couple minutes? Alright, all of us have done that. All of us have done something where we, you know, we didn't need it or we bought it or we kind of thought, oh, I really, really need this thing. You realize, I really, really didn't. And uh, about a month or so back, there was someone that came to the door here at the church and I was down the lobby working outside here working on some stuff. And she's like, hey, I need to tell you about something real, you know, she's like, I don't know, are you, do you work here? I'm like, yeah, I work here, I'm part of the staff, and my name's Jarrett Stevens, by the way, so I said that to her as well as I'm saying it to you, and uh, I was like, yeah, I'm Jarrett, I work here, and she's like, you know, I I do this uh, art installment at this office real close to here, and I have a few paintings left over, or pictures left over, and I don't know if you guys would want those, and at first, I'm like, scam, like, this is a total scam, right, (laughs) sketchy, are they in your trunk, and they actually were, and I was like, (laughs) I'm serious. I was like, all right. So I kind of talked to her about 10 minutes. I'm like, no, she seems kind of legit. And she had a business card. I was like, yeah, okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. And so we're talking. So I don't know what happened to me. I'm a very logical, sensible like person, reasonable person. I end up following her out to her car, to the trunk. And she showed me like, oh, look at this, look at this. I was like, yeah. And I don't know what happened somehow, over the course of a few minutes of her selling me, I bought two pictures that I absolutely didn't need of Chicago. I absolutely didn't need. And I remember, like, I bought them, and they weren't that expensive. They're cool, you know, pictures. And I was like, oh, this will look really cool in my office or whatever. And I got back upstairs with the pictures, and then I was holding them going, what just happened? Like, what What do I need these for? I don't need these pictures of Chicago. I can look out the window. It's right there. Like, what did I just... What just happened to me? And so there's this crazy thing, right? When it comes to money and our finances and our resources, it is this all-consuming, holistic sort of thing. It captures our mind. It captures our wallets. It captures our hearts. And it can capture your soul, too. So that's why we're talking about What it means to make change with our resources, our finances here at church. Money in church can sometimes be a weird thing. We are here to abolish that idea. We want to talk openly and honestly about the truth in God's word when it comes to our finances. And we actually want to make change from some of the mistakes maybe we've made in the past or some patterns that are going on in our life that really are keeping us from living like God actually intended us to live when it comes to our resources. And so we've been talking real honestly about that for the last few weeks. And tonight we're going to look at debt. And We're going to get real honest about what debt means and what what happens to our soul, not just our finances and our wallets, but our soul when we bring on when debt is a part of our life. As we've said over the last couple weeks, the Bible has a lot to say about money. There are over eight hundred verses in the Bible that deal specifically with work and money. Jesus talked more about money in the New Testament. He talked more about money than he did heaven and hell combined. So this obviously is something that matters a lot to God. And it's easy to assume that God, because the Bible talks so much about money, that God is obsessed with money. The reality is God is not obsessed with money. He's obsessed with you. And he wants you to be free. Free. And for so many of us, we looked at last week, our, our solution to our financial problems, or to, as we talked about last week, our rich people problems, is we assume we need more money. When God is speaking to us through his word and speaking to us tonight, say, you don't need more money, you need more purpose for your money, a greater perspective for your money. You don't just need more of it, you need more purpose, more understanding of what, how this thing can be a tremendous blessing, and what this thing can do if it's not. We've talked about how God isn't trying to get something from you when it comes to your money, that he actually has something for you when it comes to your money. And So tonight, we're going to dive in real deep, and we're going to speak to, I think, what is a very sensitive place for a lot of us when it comes to debt, when it comes to our financial realities, and how, for many of us, we have become Overdrawn because we believe this, and I, I'm going to put this up on the screen so you can kind of get it, because I think this underscores and underlines everything we're going to talk about tonight and everything we've been talking about this month is that your financial reality is far more spiritual than you realize. Your financial reality is far more More spiritual than you realize It's not just dollars and cents Your financial reality Whatever that may be Is more spiritual than you realize So here's what I want you to do I want you to turn to the person next to you And I want you to look them in the eye And say Your financial reality Is more spiritual than you realize Go ahead Turn to the person next to you Everyone find someone Say it Alright Now 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 that you feel good, like you got to preach to someone, I want you to say out loud right now, my financial reality is more spiritual than I realize. Say it. My financial reality is more spiritual than I realize. My financial reality. There's a lot more going on beneath the surface than just balancing a checkbook, than just making more money. There is a very real and spiritual component, and it can be a spiritual blessing to your life, or it can be a burden to your life. And so that's why we're going to dive in and talk real honestly Tonight about debt, God's heart for you when it comes to our debt. Now, I want you to think about what was the first purchase that you went into debt for? Try to think back. Do you, can you remember what the first big thing is or small thing is that you actually went into debt for? Can you remember what that was? You think back, what was it? For some of you, maybe it was a car, right? Maybe it was like this sweet ride you had to get, like, dude, I'm going to rock a Tercel this year. And so you bought that and you <laughs> maybe went into debt for that because you had to have it, right? For many of us, how many of us at some point carried school loans? Just a show of hands. Yeah, the majority of people carried school loans. For many of us, that was the first place you went into debt over something. Maybe it was a house that you went in, you know, whatever it may be, some clothes, a sweet stereo, whatever your thing was. At some point, many of us in this room, if not all of us statistically we would say most of us in this room, have gone into debt at some point. And to think back, what was it that I went into debt for? I remember when Gina and I got married this summer, we'll celebrate 15 years of being married this summer, which is pretty amazing. But as we said, look, we got married when we were 12, so do the math, all right? So <laughs> don't think about it too long. Okay, so when we got married, we, we didn't have any debt. We didn't have any debt. Like, we both, we, neither of us had had a credit card before. And so when we got married, we got married fairly young, so when we got married, we kind of came together, and we wanted to have a great honeymoon. And so we decided that we were going to go to Hawaii. And we had a 10-day amazing Honeymoon in Hawaii. First five days are spent on the island of Kauai. Oh, it's beautiful. It was just like, it was so nice. And when we got there, it was so great. We got to the hotel where we were staying at. And without us asking or anything, they said, Mr. and Mrs. Stevens, congratulations. And they're like, oh, people know that we're Mr. and Mrs. Stevens, even over here? And so we were very, but it was obviously in our reservation. And so uh, they said, we want to bump you up to the junior suite, which is the second largest suite in this huge resort hotel. And it was bigger than the apartment that we lived in at the time. It was huge. There's like rooms we didn't even get to. And they just did that to us because they just wanted, yeah, we just want to do this for you. And probably they just didn't have a lot of bookings that week. So we spent five days there and lived it up. It was so awesome. We did the luau. We did everything. We did everything you could do. We had an amazing time. We went on a helicopter ride, right? It's like, why wouldn't you go on a helicopter ride, right? in your Hawaii. Like, this makes total sense. And so we did five days there. And then we did five days in Maui. Right, this is 10 days, amazing honeymoon. And when we got to Maui, the hotel we went to, we walked in thinking, what you got for us? And what they had for us was the room we reserved. <laughs> it's exactly what contractually they committed to. And we got into that room and we were ticked. We were like, this is it? And so we called down to the front desk. We're like, seriously, this is all you have for us? I'm like, that's what you paid for. We're like, yeah, well, the last hotel they did this for us. We're like, mm-hmm. we're not that hotel. So they sent us up a plate of chocolate strawberries, and that pretty much made up for it. And so we had, we had an incredible time. It was an amazing, and we have pictures and great memories. It was a wonderful, wonderful 10-day honeymoon. We were so young and in love. And what we didn't realize was, you know, we didn't have at that time the, the resources to cover a 10-day honeymoon in Hawaii. So we had borrowed the money to do that. And what's interesting for us is we were young, and honestly, I would say we didn't know any better. We were sort of like, oh, we want to have this incredible experience. It ended up taking us almost two years to pay off our 10-day honeymoon. And those pictures are great. They weren't worth two years of our life. <laughs> and what's really interesting, and I tell you that to tell you very honestly, because a lot of us come to this room, a lot of us come to this space with a lot of different stories when it comes to debt, when it comes to our finances. And honestly, we started our marriage behind financially. We started our marriage carrying some debt, and we worked hard, we paid it off, two years is what it took us to pay off a 10-day experience, and a lot of us would have stories like that, because for many of us, you know, we realize we just are sort of a part of a culture that says, look, if you can't afford it, charge it, and that was our assumption, we were young, we didn't know, but listen, we, we thought, wow, we're going to have this incredible experience, we can't afford this, we'll charge it. And we'll take care of it later. We'll fix it later. And that is the prevailing message in our culture when it comes to our finances. If you can't afford it, charge it. You'll take care, we'll take care of you. We'll take care of it later. Don't worry about it now. Go to the luau. Go have some fun. Drink something with an umbrella in it. Like, go have some fun. We'll take care of this later. And that's what's going on. And a lot of us have a lot of different reasons, and some of them very justifiable. You know, you talk about school, loans. it's like, what was I supposed to do? I couldn't possibly pay for this. We live in a culture that says, if you can't afford it, charge it. We'll take care of it later the problem is it never seems to go away and so we live in a culture now that is up to our eyeballs in debt up to our eyeballs in debt nationally we are in a crisis right now and have been for the last couple years but really the reality is for the last 50 years or so we have been living on the premise if we can't afford it we'll take care of it tomorrow we'll take care of it tomorrow we'll take care of it tomorrow it's happening as a country it's happened to a lot of us here in this room individually we walk in with that story And the statistics are incredibly insightful and can be, at times, overwhelming. And so so that we understand, just sort of level the playing field for what we walk into this room with. I want to show you a few statistics as I was preparing for our time together this weekend that just kind of show a culture that is overdrawn. So right now, as a country, we carry a total U.S. consumer debt. That's just us. That's us. We're the consumers. Consumer debt of 2.4 trillion dollars. So that's not anything that our government's committed to or in debt. That's just us people, like us, you and me, consumers, like at Macy's. Like that's us, $2.4 trillion in debt. The average credit card debt is in this country right now above $15,000 in debt. Now, we're not going to have you raise your hands and show your hands of how many are there or not there. Average person in our country who carries a credit card debt of any amount, the average is $15,000, almost $16,000. Average number of credit cards per person. For someone who has a credit card, typically they have three and a half. I don't know how you get half a credit card. You can cut it up. I don't think that does it. I don't think that cuts it in half. Three and a half credit cards per person. This is interesting. For those of you who had to carry some sort of school loan, average college senior graduates with $4,100 of credit card debt, but that doesn't include the average of $20,000 in school loans. So you have to imagine, a senior graduates and they're walking into like big people jobs, with $24,000 in debt. And guess what? They're not going to make a $240,000 salary that first year. So there is a, many of us have started behind. The average credit card indebted family allocates, this is really interesting, so for a family or an individual household that is in credit card debt, 21% of their resources are dedicated every month every year, to paying off credit cards. 21% of what people who carry debt, that's what it goes to. That's almost a, fourth, it's almost a quarter of what we make goes to paying off debt to pay for things that we really probably couldn't afford in the first place. And it grows, and it grows, and it grows. And what we say we'll take care of tomorrow stays there and keeps growing and growing. And again, the numbers can be overwhelming. We can talk about it statistically, nationally, but the reality is for us as individuals is this has a real stronghold for many of us in our lives. Let me illustrate what I mean. If the average person carries $15,000 of debt, and the average APR right now is anywhere between 14 and 17,000, so we'll call it 15%. So, let's go to the next slide if we could, please. If the average person carries $15,000 in debt at an APR of 15%, and if you only pay the minimum Monthly payment, which many of us do think, look, as long as I make my payments, minimum monthly payments, I'm good. Do you know how long it will take you to pay off $15,000 of debt at 15% a year? This is fascinating. It's going to take you, let's go to the next slide, please. It's going to take you 208 months to pay off $15,000 of debt. That's 17 years. To pay off $15,000 of debt at an average APR of 15%, it takes you 17 years just paying the minimum monthly payment. And look at what gets tacked on. You'll pay $10,370 in interest alone. It's sobering, isn't it? Let me just paint a picture for you. You want to go buy a new car, you need a new car, your car's falling apart, so you go, you know what, I'm not gonna go crazy, I'm not gonna go nuts. I can get that new out, I can get the new Audi, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm a reasonable, sensible person, I'm gonna go with the Camry. And so you go to get a camry and that camry you purchase tomorrow you reasonably you put a little bit of money down say it's a twenty thousand dollar car so you put a little bit of money down you kind of have that and you make payments it's going to take you 17 years to pay off that camry and that camry that originally cost you twenty thousand dollars at the end actually cost you thirty thousand dollars and here's the deal about that camry camry's are great guess what? In 17 years, it's going to be worth maybe $1,500, and your kid, because you'll probably have a 16-year-old kid at that point, isn't going to want it. I mean, can you kind of just imagine, it's small things, So we go, well, I can't afford this now, but I'll take care of it tomorrow. And at the end of the day, you have a $30,000 Camry that takes you 17 years to pay off. You see how it's very small stuff, it's little stuff, but when it gets in and we begin to believe that this is just how it is and this is just how it goes, it begins to take a hold of us, and we begin to realize that this financial stuff isn't just financial, it's spiritual. Because it affects our soul, and it affects our outlook on ourselves, on our resources, and ultimately it can affect your outlook on God. And thank God, thank God, that God speaks clearly and directly, and even specifically to debt. That God actually has a stance on the issue when it comes to debt. That He actually cares about you and the debt that you may be carrying and walking into this room with. And so we're going to jump around at three different passages. So if you have a Bible, I want you to open up your Bible to Proverbs chapter 22 7. We're going to start with the obvious. This is a no brainer. We're going to start with the obvious what God says about the reality of what's going on when we go into debt. This is just what happens. We know that we kind of level the playing field. We live in a culture that is overdrawn. Many of us in this room are overdrawn to some capacity, to some level. We realize the effect that can have on our lives. God says it very plainly and very simply in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. Let's read this out loud together, okay? The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. That's a very specific word. The rich rule over the poor. It's sort of always been that way. God's sort of stating the obvious here, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And there's a lot of conversation in our culture right now about slavery, and it seems as though our world is waking up to the reality of what's been going on all along. There is very real, very real slavery that's really actually happening in our life, in our world, in our culture today. And so there are many people that are dedicating their lives and their resources to fighting modern-day slavery. Our history has a dark side to our democracy when it comes to slavery. We understand the concept of slavery. What we don't understand is how it actually applies to us when it comes to our resources. Is that when you are overdrawn, when you are indebted to, it is in essence like a slavery. You are enslaved. You are indebted to that company, that credit card. A part of you belongs to them. And when any part of you belongs to anything else other than God, you are enslaved to that. You are in that sort of bind, in that sort of agreement. That's what is going on. God is very clear about the language. It's like slavery. You are indebted to it. And God is very specific throughout the story of the Old Testament when it comes to specifically the people of Israel, how his heart for them and his desire for them was to be free The people of Israel, if you understand a little bit about the story of the Old Testament, these are people that God has set apart to be an example to the world. And yet, if you read their story, it's at least a little bit encouraging to your story because it is up and down, left and right, all over the place. And they go back and forth between trusting God and rejecting God, trusting God and rejecting God. And interestingly enough, they go from free people to slave, free to slave, free to slave. It's a very fascinating story. And at the very beginning of their story, God has laying out his desire and intention for that people. And I believe it is his desire and intention for you, for us, for Soul City Church tonight. So we're going to camp out right now for a few minutes in the book of Deuteronomy. It's kind of all the way over to the left in your Bible, just after the beginning. And God is again speaking to this new people. And he's talking about what life is to be like in this new people, in sort of this new light to the world, his desire for them. This is what God says. and I want you to read along and and it's up on the screens. If you have your Bible, please look at Deuteronomy 15. We're starting in verse 4. God's describing what life can be, should be, and what he actually intended it to be like. He said, Look, however, there need be no poor people among you. So right out the gate, God's saying, Look, there doesn't need to be poor people among you. For in the land the Lord God has given you to possess as your inheritance, he will richly what? Bless you. So we don't need to worry about poverty, right? God's saying like, I don't, there won't be poverty because I am going to bless you and you are actually going to take care of each other. Verse five, if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow these commands I'm giving you today. So you can say, look, follow my ways. Trust my heart when it comes to you, when it comes to your resources, when it comes to your stuff. Trust me and you, there will not be poverty. Verse six, for the Lord your God will bless you As he has promised, he will bless you as he has promised. And you, now this is very interesting, and you will be so blessed that you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from what? None. Very interesting, let's stop. God is setting up an economic policy right here. I am going to bless you so much that there will be no poverty among you. If you obey me, if you trust me, if you follow me, there won't be poverty among you. You will be so blessed, in fact, that you will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from what? None. You will rule over many nations, but none will rule over you. This is very interesting if you've read the whole story, because you know that's not the way the story plays out for the people of Israel. God has tremendous desire, promise, blessing for them. And so many times they reject, they choose their own way. Verse seven, God continues. If anyone is poor among your people in any of the towns of the land that I, the Lord, your God has given you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-hearted and what? Freely lend to them whatever they need. God has laying out a very clear economic policy here. I am God and I am good. I am going to bless you. In fact, I will bless you so much that you will actually be a blessing to others, financially, physically, and also spiritually. You will be a blessing. Trust me. Trust my ways. You will be a blessing. There won't be poor people among you because I'm going to provide for you so much and you are going to provide for each other so much that you don't even have to worry about that. But it's when, it's when, it's when you become tight-fisted. You close your heart. You begin to go, no, 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 that's not enough, God. I need more. And that's exactly what happens to the people of Israel. They end up borrowing, being enslaved to, being ruled by many other nations, actually. And if you were to think about our country, and if you were to think about your finances, The story remains the same. God is saying, I am going to bless you. I have already blessed you so that you can be a blessing. But when our lives are so overwhelmed and so inundated and so overdrawn, it is very difficult to be a blessing to others, isn't it? I was so amazed to watch last week as we took the $2 challenge. If you weren't here last week, you missed it. People came to church and we gave them money. It was awesome. Like we ended our service early, we gave everyone $2, and we said, look, go out and be a blessing to the city. And the stories that have come in, you can read it on our blog, are amazing. Amazing not in so much, I mean, it's great to see how people serve, but what is more interesting is how it began to loosen up hard hearts, open up tight, clenched fists, And people pooled their own resources and people huddled up together and found each other at Target holding green cards and realized we're on the same mission and began to resource together and partner together to give and serve others as God actually created and intended us to do. This is what God's promise is. I'm going to bless you. You may not have all that you think that you want but you already have all that you need. And I will provide it for you so that you can be a blessing to others. If you listen, trust, and obey... What I'm saying, my ways, it's very interesting. God paints it so clearly and so often in my life and your life, we miss it. Paul knows this, the Apostle Paul, and he basically sums it up by by saying this. Paul Paul says in Romans 13 8, he says, Let no debt remain among you. Let there be no outstanding debt except the continuing debt to what? To love one another. (laughs) Right? Let there be no outstanding debt among you. Don't, be free. Let the only debt be how we love each other, the debt that we have to love and serve and care for each other. And that's, Paul sums up basically that whole passage we just read in one verse. Be free. God has actually created you and intended you to be free so that you can actually be a blessing to others, open-handed, open-hearted, ready and willing to serve. And we all want that, don't we? We all long to be that free. The reality is for many of us, we, we, we want that, we desire that, but we know that it doesn't just happen in the snap of a finger that while it's taken us several decisions in many years to sort of get to where we're at in our current financial reality, that it's going to probably take a good, decent amount of time to work our way back to the freedom that God intended us. And as we say around here all the time, that when it comes to our finances, and when it comes to our spiritual growth, when it comes to our relationship with God, there are certain things that only God can do. And there are certain things that only you can do. And when it comes to defeating debt, it's beautifully both. When it comes to you and I actually being free, as God painted the picture for His people so many thousands of years ago, as Paul summed up so beautifully, when it comes to you and I being financially free, defeating debt is this beautiful intersection of dependence on God and discipline with ourselves. It's this beautiful intersection, this beautiful both of discipline, discipline, our own hard choices of discipline when it comes to our finances and saying I'm only going to do what I can do when it comes to my resources and God you have to do what only you can do when it comes to my resources. And we just believe strongly here that God has created you to be free and he actually desires and wants for you to grow. One of the things we say around here all the time is everyone is accepted here at Soul City Church. Everyone is accepted no matter what your financial reality is, no matter where you may be coming from. Everyone's accepted, but everyone is expected to grow. We're all expected to grow. So this is for every single one of us. There is a crossroads for every one of us who at some level has incurred or finds ourselves enslaved to debt where discipline has to meet dependence, where I do what only I can do and I ask God to do what only he can do so that I can actually experience that freedom, that blessing, that ability to be a gift to others, to experience financial freedom in my life. And so we're going to spend a few minutes just uh, experiencing that ourselves. When it comes to discipline, when it comes to the hard choices of you actually deciding, you know, I, I could sort of go along with what our culture says and kind of keep carrying debt and hoping that tomorrow will sort of take care of it, or I can take discipline and do what only I can do right now and make some really hard decisions. And so when you leave here tonight, we're going to give you a sheet of paper, because we love homework around here. And, uh, uh, and so we're going to give you a sheet of paper, that literally, very plainly, and very simply has you assess your debt. We want to pay attention to this and be very in tune with where things are at in our financial world, right? And here's the crazy thing. It's going to take some honesty, it's going to take some work, and it's going to take some time. And the truth is this. Many of us this week spent more time on our brackets than we did thinking about our debt right? I mean, you've devoted hours to laying out your bracket, to watch it. You have been so attentive, and you have been disciplined in your March Madness. That's fantastic. We're asking you to devote a little bit of that discipline to your financial reality. And to say, okay, I'm going to list out everything that I owe. Everything that I owe. And I am going to take the discipline, I am going to take the action to do everything I can do to get free. As God actually created and intended me to be. And so it's going to mean some sacrifice. It's going to mean some choices. It's going to mean some reallocating things that you thought that you wanted to spend on this, but go, you know what? That's going to have to wait. I don't need that now. I want to be free. And so I'm going to radically redirect my resources to eliminating debt, defeating debt in my life. Serious. I'm I'm going to take the discipline to do what only I can do, When it comes to eliminating and defeating this stronghold, this slavery, financial slavery in my life, I am going to do what only I can do to be free. And so it's going to take that kind of discipline, that kind of real determination to aggressively get out of debt, aggressively get out of debt, to make radical decisions to actually get out of debt and it's going to take some real, real, real uh, decisions on sort of the back end to go, okay, do I really need to buy this right now? Do I really need this? These resources that I wanted to spend on this to be disciplined and say, I don't need that right now, and those resources can actually be over here, dedicated over here, so I can actually be free. And for some of you, it means, like, you're going to become buddies with Craigslist this week. And there's stuff that you have around your house you don't need. And so, sell it. It doesn't sound like a cult or something. Like We're not asking you to give the money to us. We're asking you to become free. Sell it. Get rid of it. And there's going to be purchases that are going to come up this week that are going to be very tempting to go, oh man, I wish I could get that. I wish I could buy that. You know, I could just go out to lunch. I could go out to dinner right now. Or, I could actually be disciplined when it comes to my resources and say, I'm going to allocate that $57 that I would have spent on this and I'm going to eliminate debt. I'm going to defeat debt. It's going to take discipline, what only you can do if you're going to be free. And here's the other beautiful side. It's going to take real dependence on God. God, I'm going to do this the best I can, but you have to give me the strength to do this. God, you actually have to hold to your promise of blessing for me when I commit my ways to you, when I commit my finances to you. It takes real, dependence on God, that he's gonna give you the wisdom to make the right choices financially, to not purchase things that are gonna throw you further into debt so that you can actually be free as God intended you to be. Bottom line, when it comes to your resources, when it comes to your finances, it is far more spiritual than we realize. And God has actually promised you and committed to you he will bless you and provide for you. Will you trust him? Will you trust him and commit to radically eliminating debt in your life so that you can be free? And that's like, we're going to do the homework piece for discipline. Like that's you taking real action, paying attention, going home tonight, writing all this out and putting a plan together. Now we're not going to take a ton of time to tell you like what plan to do because it's different for every one of you. And again, that's not really our specialty, right? We're a church, right? We'll give you the piece of paper. It's your responsibility to figure out what to do with it. We would highly recommend DaveRamsey.com. Great resources there. can trust the guy. He has great plans for you to literally get out of debt as, like, it's going to take a lot of work, but it's possible. On the dependent side, we are praying for this church that we would actually be free. This is what I love. You know, many of you know that our church was given this space. Uh, this space that we meet in was given to our church rent-free for two years, Given. There are some people who made a very generous decision and trusted God to give us 22,000 square feet in the heart of Chicago to start a church. That's amazing, isn't it? And you look around at these screens. These are nice screens. You look at all the sound equipment. It was given to our church. Someone made a financial decision to actually trust God and to be a blessing to you and to this church. And as we've built out the space and renovated the space, we've done every single inch and hour we can do all with volunteer people just like you. And we've committed as a church, we have committed to doing it debt-free because we believe that honors God and that he is going to bless us. We are depending on God for every dollar we have at this church. And not only that, we have made a commitment as a church that we will continue to increase our generosity year by year as a church. We literally set aside a large portion of our budget to bless the city, to bless schools like Brown Elementary, to bless some of our partners like Breakthrough Urban Ministry. We want to be a blessing in this church. We want to be a blessing in this city. And so we are literally dependent on God for every dollar, and we want to be a blessing as he's been a blessing to you. And we want to model that as a church, not only with what we do sort of with our big church budget we want to model that in every life of every person who's a part of this church. Can you imagine what a different story it would be for a church to actually be financially free? Can you imagine what a different story it would be in the city of Chicago for people to go, I don't know what's up with that church. They just keep giving and giving and giving. And they're not worried about taking because they actually trust that God's going to provide for them. That is a very different story when it comes to churches and money. It's a story our city is desperate to hear and is longing to hear about a church who's actually free, people like you and me committing to discipline and dependence when it comes to defeating our debt. So you're gonna have homework when you walk out here in a second, but we wanna spend some time right now as a church praying for that, praying for you, praying that God actually would hold up on his promise to bless you, to actually make you free, in your finances. And so, like, we're really serious about this. We want to help as best we can. So we've actually set aside some time in our gathering right now. The band's going to come up. We're going to spend some time worshiping. But as we do, we've asked some of our leaders to come around the room and pray. And so there'll be a few leaders kind of up here and a few in the back. And uh, we would ask that you... Uh, if you are serious about being free and depending on God, if you need help in prayer, like, God, I just need someone to pray for me because this is hard, and I've got, like, a lot of debt, or, man, this is, I, I may not be carrying a lot of debt. I want to be that kind of blessing that God talks about. I want to be a part of that picture. We want to pray for you. We're very serious about it. Now, these are not financial counselors, so please don't come up with, like, all right, here's the deal. Uh, I owe, you know, like, <laughs> they're not going to be able to They'll pray over you and be like, hey, that's all they're going to do. They just want to pray. We just want to pray for you. Because we believe that our financial realities are more spiritual than we realize. And so for some of you tonight, you just need to be prayed for, to know that God is actually for you. He's not trying to get something from you. And so we're going to set them up. I would ask you in faith. It's not going to be a big, long, drawn-out deal. Just come forward and be prayed for. Just find someone and say, you know what? I just need help. I just need help. I'm going to need God's help. Discipline's hard for me. Trusting God's hard for me. We want to pray for you because we believe God has created you to be free, free, indebted to no one other than the debt of love to each other. So we're going to use this space right now, and then we're going to sing some songs together. But if that's you and you feel God kind of tugging your heart, everything in you is telling you not to, maybe you should. So I'm going to pray for you. We're going to get some of our leaders in place right up here and towards the back, and uh, we're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray. Sound good? Okay, let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you have something for us. And despite the message of our culture that is continually trying to get something from us, you have something for us, and it's freedom. And it's greater purpose and perspective when it comes to our finances and resources. And God, for many of us in this room, we feel overwhelmed. We can't see the path of the light to kind of get through to that sort of freedom. God, we pray that you would encourage us tonight, that you would give us hope tonight. God, you would give us courage tonight to actually take the responsibility when it comes to our resources that you've blessed us with and that we can actually become a blessing to others through them, God. God, I pray that this church would have a different story in the city, that we would have a story of generosity, of blessing, of loving, of serving as you intend us to be. So God, I pray that you'd meet us right now as we come forward, as we be prayed for. guys, as, as these words are spoken over us, God, we trust and know that they come from your heart and they're for us. And God, we pray that we would actually literally sense and feel your blessing, your love, your heart for us tonight, and that it would propel us into action and response and worship of you with all of who we are and all that we have. We pray this in your mighty name. Amen. All right, so go ahead and take advantage of this time we prayed for right now, and we'll continue worshiping together.